Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Carr went to the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and you are in the middle of a tremendous business time with NFL training camps opening, the beginning of the regular season of Premier League and otherwise all over the world as far as soccer is concerned, basketball, hockey camps beginning, NASCAR, the live golf controversy, all of that front and center. And it's for us. Let's look at deal-making issues. Three to one. Three. MLB rules primetime, even with regional sports networks, flat year over year. The Yankees specifically led the way in views. Most renowned franchise in sports keeps chugging. Year-over-year numbers show that household impressions are very close to the same during the All-Star break last year. Overall, the league down 0.38% or flat when rounded. 13 of the 29 teams are showing gains over 2021. 15 are down, but maybe the biggest factor in MLB's popularity with advertisers is how it dominates prime time against broadcast and cable competition. 11 of the 29 ranked number one in their designated market areas, and with a scorching record in the standings, New York Yankees on yes are seeing records being broken, up 13% by HH Impressions households from last point last year. They continue to go up, and Yankee games on yes network averaging 347,000 total viewers in the New York DMA, up 22% from the all-star break Last year, two. the World Track and Field Championships, Oregon 22, the most watched World Track and Field Championships on record since 1988. Truly a remarkable stat. The event did numbers reaching about 18.7 million total viewers across NBC Sports platforms for the 10-day event. The 18.7 million total viewers surpassed NBC Sports' previous record by 65%. In the first ever outdoor World Track and Field Championships held in the U.S., Team USA finished with 33 total medals, 13 gold, the highest ever by a single nation, and coverage for the seven NBC broadcast network programs, including four in primetime, a first for the event, averaged nearly 2 million TV-only viewers, 1.9 million, the highest World Track and Field Championships average for the network in 15 years. One. Number one. The scores bet mobile sportsbook shifts proprietary tech stack. Penn National Gaming moved the score bet technology stack to run on programs built entirely by in-house product and engineering teams. The score bets mobile app now lives in Ontario, where the new proprietary tech stack supports expanded in-game wagering options, event props, and a stronger personalization of offers to users based off their individual betting activity. Barstool Sportsbook, the U.S. sports betting app owned by Penn National, expects to migrate its tech stack to the same platform as the score bet by the third quarter of 2023. Training camps open up. Ten of the 30 training camps are outside of the venue, but 22 are in existing facilities, stadiums, just an expansion of the marketing of the teams 
And the first week in, in August, bigger than ever. Everybody's going to win the Super Bowl, and then everybody brings the NFL back front and center. Hall of Fame game, uh, the Jaguars and the Raiders highlight the season's first Thursday night network game. And more appropriate than ever to do a in-depth analysis with Hall of Fame President Emeritus David Baker. He was the president of the Hall of Fame for years, mayor of Irvine, California, commissioner of arena football, a whole host of very interesting tasks. Many would say his Hall of Fame stint, probably the most significant, but he talks about the awards, football, the development, even the USFL's championship games in Canton. Clearly, David Baker has a lot to say. Here he is now. January of 2014, was that your announcement of the Hall of Fame presidency, executive directorship? Uh, I think January 6th was my first day on the job. That's it. All right. And, so, I, and I moved from sunny Southern California yeah. where we are now. And uh, I think on that day was 19 degrees below zero in Canton. And so, uh, had you committed already? You'd already I had already committed, so I was deeply committed. I, it was interesting. I, my wife is here with us now, but uh, she's the reason I kind of took the job. Yeah. Uh, I, I had uh, Jed Hughes, who you probably sure. know, sure. you know, uh, uh, great, outstanding recruiter, call me and ask if I'd be interested in. Essentially, I said no. I said I was love the hall, love my predecessor, um, but I was involved in this big project after having been commissioner of Arena Football and. Um, and he said, let me send you the job description anyways. And at night, I was cleaning up my email, and I sent it to my wife, and I said, uh, hey, uh, you'll never guess what happened today. And then I erased it. And she called me 15 minutes later and said, hey, we're going to go do this. And I said, well, I already turned it down. She said, call him back. And I said, sweetheart, I've got this other project. And she said, yeah, but your partners can take that over. I said, why in the world do you want to do this? I don't know if you know this, but it's cold in Ohio. Yeah. It's colder than you've ever yeah. been. And she said, have you read this? And I hadn't even read it, Rick. And uh, she story. said, you need to read this because this is what you believe. That's a great story. But he shouldn't have told you that he was planning on moving the Hall of Fame from Canton to Irvine. That, that's not fair. appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you made a major life-changing decision. We'll talk about the Hall in a minute. But one of those famous David F Baker facts that I, I never knew, uh, you had a B.A. from... Uh, from Irvine, obviously, but in English lit and criticism, how did that prepare you for what you're doing today? You know, it's interesting. I thought I was going to be a basketball player. I was there on a yeah. basketball scholarship. After my freshman year, I kind of thought, you know, I should probably be prepared to do something else. Yeah. So I went to my counselor and I said, what's the hardest thing in school? And uh, they said, well, it's biosciences. And I didn't have the yeah. background for that. And I said, what's next? And she said, well, we have one of the top five departments here in English literature and criticism. And um, and I figured I'd better get an education, and I went after that. And frankly, it was the best thing I've ever done. Well, but then you said, all right, let me have another challenge. Let me be the editor of the Law Review at Pepperdine. Yeah. It, 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 you know, English literature and criticism prepared me a great deal for what I had to do in uh, law, law school, which is you make a living with words. Um, but kind of finding those slices of laws, that was a wonderful opportunity. It was at Pepperdine. Uh, I had an office, therefore, as the editor-in-chief of the Law Review. I think I had the best view I have ever had in my life or will have from that window huh. looking out over Malibu. But over it Malibu, a, yeah. It was a great uh, right. education, over great Malibu. experience. Uh, Get it. Yeah, love when, those guys at Pepperdine. When did you graduate uh, law school? Uh, 1988. 
wow, okay, so I was a little earlier at, at Harvard, but the difference was when I was graduating, it was I did a paper and thesis, and there's getting to a point, and the professor said, great idea, sports, sports violence, but there's no such thing as sports law. How could you possibly do that? Yeah. Did you see some of that getting as a wild, wild west, right? I mean, all of us who... Uh, kind of help pioneer the field. It was a hard field early. You know, I think there was a lot to learn, and and, and frankly, I think that's why your book is so great. And yeah. when talking to all of these icons, because you learn. And those days, you learned a lot by making mistakes. Yeah. And if you made enough mistakes, then you pretty pre pretty soon, by default, learned what you should do and not what you should not do. Yeah. And I think that's what made a lot of great leaders in sports. But I think as you have found. Uh, you know, law kind of follows the money. Yeah. And, and as right. the money increased, uh, the methodologies, the processes, the documentation all got more complex. And you, again, if this is David, I don't take on easy stuff, Baker. And one of the things, that's a great nickname for you, one of the things that was obvious was your 12 years running the Arena Football League, right? You started with franchise values were about 175 k and then at the end, or close to somewhere near the end, $32 million. That's a hard deal to put together. How did it all start and continue? You know, I thought I'd made enough money that I could buy a sports franchise, and I couldn't buy the Dodgers or yeah. the Angels yeah. or Lakers. Um, but I thought I might be able to buy a Marine football team. And I went to my first meeting of the owners, and um, – it lasted two days, and I had to leave a little early. And while I was gone, they elected me president of the owners. And I wondered how. <laughs> how? And, oh, no. and in reality, I think they disliked each other so much that they'd rather take a chance on the new guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, It wasn't a, a vote of support for me. It was a vote of non-support for each other. But I will say it was a wonderful training ground for me and for a lot of other people. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Nagy, formerly of the Chicago right. Bears, uh, Jay Gruden, uh, Kurt Warner, uh, you know, a lot of professionals like uh, Rene Anderson. Who's yeah. Carmen Policy. Carmen Policy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ed Policy. Ed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a wonderful place, and I thought it was a wonderful product that introduced this great game of football fast and hard-hitting, uh, in particular to kids and women. You yeah. got very close to the game, yeah. and uh, I still think it's a great product. I'd love to see it come back. Will it ever come back? Yeah, I think it should. I actually think it's a better product internationally than it is here nationally. Interesting. Uh, but there's still some indoor leagues out there. It's, yeah. uh, it's one of those things I'd, I, I, uh, after I left it, I, I hate to see it go. All right, so honor the heroes of the game, preserve history, um, uh, preserve promote, it, promote its values, finish the statement. And celebrate excellence everywhere. Well, and that's what you've lived by since you were uh, ran the Hall of Fame and ran it really well. What fast forward? Best part of the job? Oh goodness, uh, you know, I think there is so much stuff to it. I mean, it, people would think it's knocking on the door, which somebody else is going to do tonight to announce the class of Oh, you're, you're, not, you're not doing it? Uh, no. They, couldn't, they, uh, couldn't you grandfather uh, that in your, your deal? No, mm -hmm. I think it's time for somebody else to have the best job in the world. I'm not sure. That's true. Uh, but, but, but I think, Rick, yeah, that was a great job. Giving the Jack Gold jacket to guys with the commissioner. Uh, but there, I think um, I, I would say two things. Um, one thing was when I gave the guys the ring, especially older guys like Jerry Kramer, uh, in their stadium in front of their fans at halftime, to watch their eyes as they could hear those guys one more time. I'll tell you, I wish every football fan could see it. It makes me emotional right now to, mm -hmm. to think of what it meant to them. Uh, the other one is, a, is, is one that might seem a little silly to your, to your viewers, but um, 
Uh, we have a lapel pin that uh, you know only Hall of Famers and the staff wear, and it says Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one day there was a, a it was actually the Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. There was a 10-year-old guy, and I had Brett Favre and all the other Hall of Famers that were going to the Super Bowl, and he wanted his picture taken with me. And I said, hey, don't yes. you want Brett no. Favre? And he says, nice. no, I want you. And, and so I took this pin off, and I put it on him. And as I'm putting it on him, his mom leans down, and in the other ear, kind of away from me, but I can hear her say very clearly, she says, now you have to live a life of character. Wow. And awesome. in succeeding years, I yeah. would do that with, if I saw an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old kid, some of those kids still write me. And uh, I, I think seeing, seeing the courage, the character, the compassion, the perseverance of Jerry Kramer or yeah. Gil Brandt or Marv Levy, these guys, Hugh McElhaney is 94, um, but seeing it manifested in the generations to come, that's the best part of the job. Well, and watching you at stops where you bestow rings. And I'm not talking about the surprise knock on the door, but I'm talking about the visits to the stadiums where sure. you give the ring to people. It's not just the tears in their eyes, but it's a civic event when you come to those cities. I think it's a sense of pride. Everybody yeah. wants to be a part of it. And, and um, they've become, this year we did 19 of them because we had two enshrinements yeah. together. Uh, we, we had the class of 20, which had 20 enshrinees. Um, but I think for that team, uh, you know, Brian Ford, who's the chief operating officer of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah. really great guy, um, told me that they gave out 424, I believe, Super Bowl rings. Because so, it's the staff yeah. and the trainer. Right, right. Every, there's a whole, it's not just players that get it. Yeah. But there's only one Hall of Fame ring. Yeah. But I think everybody, you, you've been to a million yeah, halftimes, yeah, and at halftimes, yeah. people are going to get a hot dog yeah, or a beer or going to the bathroom, and the stadium's emptying out. Yeah. Man, when you're at those, uh, people are standing at their seat yeah. in reverence for these guys. You have brought nothing but uh, good character and important high standards to your Hall of Fame. Reflect on, and I'm not going to ask you to compare Hall of Fames, but I am going to ask you to react to some of the issues about who's in, who's out, relative to some of the controversies in other sports. You know, it's not uh, the, the, the votes this year with David Ortiz in baseball and nobody else in steroids, what are the standards? Are you, are you comfortable about the standards and criteria for Hall of Fame collection in football? Selection. Yeah, I really do think it's one of the best ways. I, I know how we have 48 elite selectors, uh, all of whom are in the media, so they're current, uh, some of whom are Hall of Famers. Uh, and they all take their job seriously? I'll tell you, they take their job enormously seriously. Yeah. Uh, if fans could see how much they care about it, and there's committees that work on it all year round, uh, it then gets reduced down to a level. Uh, and, and what's interesting is is how people are so upset at the guys who don't make it in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And the only thing I can tell you, Rick, is it should be tough to make the Hall of Fame. Of course, it, it should be very, very tough. And to if make you the had 15 people in the Hall of Fame, number 16 would be mad at you. Uh, yeah. and, and all his fans and yeah, all his family right. and his, the teams that he played for. But it, it's, 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 it, it is a special honor. And, and one of the things that people don't know is that the Hall of Fame, they have an archive for every player. If you play one week, I have a son, as you know, yeah. who played for we'll the Atlanta Falcons, and, and he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But he's got an archive at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and, and it will talk about his. But one of the things I learned about this, and I think it's important for all the fans, is – you know, 
when I first got there, I thought we had some of the world's most famous guys who sometimes felt a little irrelevant, yeah. you know, that they weren't in the game now. But as you talked about their legacy and we focused on their legacy and promised that we would keep their legacy forever, what I learned is everybody's got a legacy. You have yeah. a terrific legacy, yeah. both in business and as a father and as a, yeah. as a husband. But, you know, um, everybody has a legacy. Yeah. And everybody, when you knocked on the door, um, I'll tell you, I did it so many times. I probably did it, I don't know, 70 times. Um, but those guys aren't thinking how much money they made. No. Sure. Uh, at that moment, I tell you, they're thinking about the mom that drove them to practice when they were 10 or their dad that wouldn't let them quit or a coach that believed in them and helped them do more or teammates that got them there. I assume one of the things that's going to happen, which is just an instantaneous idea, that you're succeeded by Jim Porter, who... Apparently, as a local guy, and good choice, you said. But we need to follow Jim Porter around as he knocks and sees how disappointed these folks are that he, they're not in. Well, <laughs> Who well, is this guy? Not too, too many people know, but we, we learned pretty quickly that when we brought him to the Super Bowl, we had to tell the guys first who didn't make it. Uh. That we yeah. hopefully we could call him with better news next year. Okay. And there were guys, uh, you know, Morton Anderson had yeah. to get that news a couple times when he finally got the news, he put his head on my shoulder and cried for two minutes. That's wonderful. Uh, Kevin Green, the great Kevin Green. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're competitive. Just, just to be a finalist yeah. Yeah. makes you one of the top thousand players of all time. Yeah. But they are competitors, and, and we certainly don't want to disappoint them, but we cannot disrespect them. No, but don't disrespect them by bringing a guy knocking on the door they don't even know. You better explain that, <laughs> that it's no longer David Baker, okay? Just a little bit a little bit of a tip. A couple other things, too. USA Today named the facility, the project, the park of yours as the best attraction country. It's a big deal. So not only do you operate something that glorifies uh, football, pro college, everybody, but you, it's a it's a it's a theme park commemorating football, and also it's a big mega real estate development. Talk about that. Well, again, I think it's uh, you know it, it is now Hall of Fame Village, uh, and uh, Mike Crawford is the head of that, and Jim Porter will now go forward with the hall. But uh, it, it's the stadium, it's fields around it, it's uh, other act activities and other attractions. But for me, what's so special about all of that together? We when I was there, we coined the phrase that the hall was the most inspiring place on earth. Yeah. Now, you don't think about that in Canton, Ohio. No, but you but do everywhere else. I, I, but I will tell you this, um, it stands for excellence. And, and I, one of the things I did not count on when I went there, Rick, was how many people who come there who are terminally ill. And, and we had people in a wheelchair on oxygen who had a week left. <laughs> and for whatever reason, this was the number one bucket list item. And I think it's because there's a sense of family and, and team. And they've seen miracles happen. They've seen Roger Staubach throw a Hail Mary to Drew Pearson. And, and, and there's hope and there's inspiration. And they believe in that. And, and the great thing about the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, and, and I don't think I'd be doing a disservice to any of our Hall of Famers. I, I would not do that. But I think they know themselves. It's only football. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah. It, it, it's not curing cancer. It's not, uh, you know, doing something that impacts the life in another way. But they have the opportunity because people attach to it to to touch people, and those people can then go out and be the next scientist to cure cancer. And, and what you learn is the same things that will make you great and put you into the Pro Football Hall of Fame 
will make you a great educator or a great yeah. sports lawyer or a great journalist. Where is David Baker five years from now? Well, my important job right now is delivering donuts on uh, Saturday to well one done. set of grandkids and Sunday to another grandkids. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I think um, I think there were some things that I wanted to do that as wonderful as the hall was, I couldn't do them there. I've always had a heart and a passion uh, for the, 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 thing, the guys that I love the most, Rick, at the hall. This surprised me, too, was the older guys. Yeah. Uh, love John Madden. Uh, and, and we'd do a deal where we'd send lunch and a six-pack of beer to all these guys and get the 20 older guys on a conference phone. That's and they would talk the most amazing stories about yeah. the first, first airplane ride uh, to, uh, that wasn't taking a train to a game and, yeah. and who the players were that were great. But I, I'd love to uh, – I've thought, that, you know, Casey Wasserman, who we both know here, mm -hmm. is a good guy, going to be the uh, – is the president of the uh, 2028 like, yeah. Olympics here. Uh, Casey's grandfather started an actor's home here. That was just for those guys yeah. who gave their heart and soul to their craft. And I'd love to have uh, one, maybe several homes for older players, for guys who, yeah. you know, who started the game, who yeah. love this, and it's in their blood. Heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. What a great cause. We'll be hearing more about that because anything David Baker sets his mind to is going to get done. It's an honor to be with you, as it always is. Thank you, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thank that. you, Rick. Appreciate what you're doing. Well, David Gabe Baker gives us a real perspective on what it's like to run a world-class organization like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You could say he'll be missed, but believe me, he'll be around. Let's talk about gambling in the Sports Gambling Minute. Massachusetts lawmakers made last-minute compromises as the formal session set to end, wrapping up the deal at the beginning of the week. They're able to pass an $11.3 billion transportation infrastructure bill, including $400 million more for the MBTA to address ongoing safety concerns. The mass track legislation filed several months ago and the bottom line reaching the growing legal cannabis industry in Massachusetts. What about the deals with gambling, last minute compromises? We'll have to see how that all shakes out, especially with Connecticut and Rhode Island and all of the neighboring states raking in the money. Things get done at the last minute, and this may be no different. Talk about tech. USGA adding Apple Watch integration to Golf Handicap Information Network app for shot tracking metrics and other features. The Apple Watch combination with the GIN Sports Golf Handicap Information Network allows the players to use metrics on course distance distances on their smartwatch while golfing. Again, app subscribers with the Apple Watch will be able to view data on their number of putts, approach shot accuracy, and driving accuracy, and distances to key points on holes such as the green, bunkers, penalty areas. Members of golf associations around the world subscribe to the GIN mobile app for just under 40 bucks a year. And last year, the app added features such as GPS, course maps, green reading technology. Sentry Insurance, the USGA's presenting sponsor of the GIN mobile app. Other tools in the app include a course handicap calculator and score history tracking. The USGA expects to add games and multiplayer scorekeeping to its GIN app later this year. And finally, as we usually do, let's talk about good sports. The Good Sports 5, especially as we seem to be getting out of the pandemic, but continue to be philanthropically motivated. Aaron Donald says he'll remain with the Rams and continue playing football as long as Sean McVay 
remained. So he's made Pro Bowl in all of his eight seasons. He's very charitable, very philanthropic, and he's very Rams. John Elway named to the Denver Sports Mount Rushmore by the Sporting News following the analysis of all of the teams and all of the leagues in Denver. University of Alabama and Fanatics create a partnership to reimagine the college fan experience at Bryant-Denny Stadium. As a cornerstone of that agreement, Fanatics will launch the Authentic, the first retail team store inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Next moves in the NIL, Altus grows its advisory firm by creating an on-campus program. They've got more than 30 schools, Altus Sports uh, Partners, Casey Schwab, Altus' CEO and founding partner, Oliver Luck involved as well. The capability includes the ability to connect athletes with their brands. And finally, uh, uh, Anthony Joshua, his UFC opportunities, he looks to remind people of what a talented superstar he is as he looks to retain his past glory. The more individuals that get this kind of attention, the better it is for all of the sport. Well, that's your Good Forts Sports 5 this week, and that's the show. We'd like to thank David Baker for giving us his time. would like to thank Nick Nielsen and others for helping us put the show together. We'd like to thank you for listening and watching and joining us next time when we go inside the $1.3 billion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Harrow. Speak with you soon. Music.